That's not a guitar, Jerry. That is. There is a guitar in there. Harmonica. I can. Oh, I can hear the guitar. This is. The Pogues. The Pogues? The Pogues. In honor. Shane McGowan. Passed away. Oh, yeah. Heard about that. Who? What happened? Shane McGowan from the Pogues. Kind of kills a lot of birds here, too. Now we're down here at Maggie O'Brien's Irish Pub. I had some Irish whiskey. Uh, I've got uh, not Irish tequila. (laughs) And I'm drinking some Smittix, which (laughs) I think is more English than Irish, but that's all right. Darker color. Yeah. Jared, you get Scottish. Jared, you got a pint of Guinness in front of you, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, sir. So, fare thee well, Mr. McGowan, the Pogues. That's what we got, man. You know the other stuff? I love it. I love it. When you hear this stuff, does it make, I mean, I know what it makes me want to do. Uh, drink alcohol? Uh, yes. Okay. Copious amounts of it. Yeah. I like cold, dark bars that are quiet. Yeah. Dirty Old Town Pubs. Yeah. I got you. Uh, another episode of the Soccer Dad Pod. Uh, today's going to be a fun one because we're uh, we're chatting with somebody that knows a whole hell of a lot about the game at every level uh, and is just a key cog in the wheel in the new machine that is STL City. Um, it, this guy's got a master's doctorate. Um, this guy's been educated in the game. Yeah, for a while. For a while. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're down here at Maggie O'Brien's, as I mentioned, and as you probably can maybe slightly hear in the background here, it's holiday season. The tinsel and glitter and inflatables are abound. Uh, Christmas. There music. are people here with lighted sweaters. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Um, I would never do that. Glitter and... Jared, you don't strike me as a... Uh, Christmas, oh, he's got a nighty like sweater that, right? guy. Awesome, thank you. You know, um, I'll do a Christmas sweater, like an ugly Christmas sweater party. I mean, I won't just wear them, like just because it's the holiday season. To the trucking company? Yeah, not They'd to the trucking company. Well. No. <laughs> no, okay, no. A Grinch, you put a mistletoe one right there on the front. That probably wouldn't go over too well, would it? No, no. Um, hey. I'm really happy to announce we've got a new friend to the show, partner to the show. I'm excited. Um, yeah, this is a big one. You know, it's um, it, it's our friends down here at Explore STL, the uh, tourism bureau, the tourism uh, supporters, uh, conference, convention, bookers extraordinaire. Explore STL basically helps shine a light on everything that's going on, pop culture and otherwise, here in the city. And... Uh, their, their job is to make it all uh, accessible, you know, th- so that we all know what's going on and go to other cities and get them to come here. And they've been doing a great job of it. Um, just the I- I- increase in tourism. Uh, you know, St. Louis typically gets extremely unfair headlines due to a lot of factors, but these guys kill it. Um, you know, and St. Louis is one of those towns, uh, Kim and I do this often, the, the beloved staycation come down we do the fox we do We've the pal yeah. get the hotel room don't have to do anything you know what i like to do kel and i we usually do it around a city game i like to come down here stay at one of the great properties around here but i like to make a day out of it and like 
uh, Tower Gro- the Grove, not Tower the Grove. I, I mean, you know, like Gramophone for launch, run down, have a beer at UCBC. Um, what a great building! And then you know, hit hit the city. You know, well, the you city have, game is phenomenal. You also have family options at Union Station where you can stay as a family in the hotel in Union Station, do the St. Louis Wheel, do the aquarium, walk around downtown. Get lunch at Maggie O's. Yeah, I saw multiple people walking in with the pajamas for the uh, Polar Express train. Yep, I they should be staying here. Well, it's cool. So I'm I'm excited to announce you know that they are going to be helping out the show, uh, spreading spreading the Soccer Dad Pod word as well. And we are going to make it clear to all of you listeners, there's a whole lot of stuff going on. Come check it out. ExploreSTL.com. Um, we're going to shift immediately into. What some people claim is their favorite part of the show, and some people Bill bought, and Chris do. <laughs> Pinna- yeah. the, the the Pinnacle Brothers, um, Bill and Chris over there at PinnacleLoans.com. Really appreciate all their support. Uh, and one of you know, it's one of my favorite parts of the show. We're at right now Pinnacle Points of the Day. Kind of a little recap highlight. What you, what you got, Zach? Today is a personal one. Oh, personal work related in that. I've spent quite a few hours as a Salesforce employee, for those that might not know, and I have received my Ranger badge. I am now Ranger status, which like is actually... Power Ranger? What color? No, it's just Ranger, no color. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those that have been around the Salesforce ecosystem, understand it's a, it's a kind of a big deal. And I'm proud of myself, so I had a little Irish whiskey before we uh, joined, and... I'm excited. So I was talking to a guy last night that was talking about uh, he's he's actually in logistics, shipping as well, works warehouses, and they've been crushed for uh, for as long as he's been there. And he was talking about yeah, and next Tuesday's our company party, and can't wait for that bonus check. And you sit giving the story. <laughs> like, I can't hear these stories and not think of Chevy Chase Christmas vacation. We just <laughs> yeah. watched it uh, Sunday night, and the scene with. Uh, where he opens the envelope? Yes, and it's the Jelly of the Month Club. Jelly of the Month Club. The gift that keeps on giving, Clark. Jared, what would you do if your company came to you and said, Jared, you killed it this year. We've broken all records up and down these highways. Pissed off countless soccer dads <laughs> in the left lane. Your bonus is Jelly of the Month Club. What do you do? I do like jelly, but I um You're more of a <laughs> jam guy. You know, I'm 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 responsible, so I really just I, I you know, I count bonuses as extras, so I don't I don't I don't depend on them. You don't no, count it as your salary? You know, I might actually tie somebody up with Christmas lights in my R V and bring them to a foreign place. <laughs> hey, I got an R V now, by the way. <laughs> I didn't hey, want to you have an R V and Jared, you have your your trailer. So yeah. yeah. Hey, I I've got a pinnacle point of the day. Um let me see here. This was this is coming out of the whole Cincy Columbus game coming up, mm. uh, Eastern Conference that final. Real. Our boy uh, Pat Noonan to Smetgrad lit has led that team top of the pile in all of MLS, and now they're playing their literal in-state rival uh, this weekend. But the big news was Matt um, Miazga or how do you Matt Miazga. Yeah, thank you. Uh, got in a little bit of trouble. Got in quite a bit of trouble. Yeah. Uh, a lot of trouble. That's TBD as far as like the whole story because nobody's really gotten it yet. Uh, but long story short, he's banned for the next three games. Three games. Why now, is it three? It, I, that I don't know. But you do the math. 
They're in the conference final. And then if they win, they play in the MLS Cup final. And then they're, uh, realistically, they're planning on the first game of next year, right? Now, here's the funny part. (laughs) The the FC Cincinnati uh, Twitter fan group, their biggest group, Kind of like who they they are the are Luligans, right? They went out and put this post out there stating that in solidarity, almost as if it's like a union battle call, in solidarity with our players, we expect the Columbus Crew players to boycott this game in support <laughs> of Matt, <laughs> the best defender on their team. <laughs> And uh, and I read it over and over and over. And I'm like, is this guy, are they serious? And they doubled down. And literally every fan group in MLS was like, you guys are fools. Wow. <clears throat> can you imagine uh, that? Like, in what? Ballsy is the best way I can put that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to miss our best defender, so you guys should not play. <laughs> our best defender made terrible choices and got himself suspended for three games. <laughs> Could you guys just not... Have your best player show up? Yeah, that that one blew me away. I want to add a quick. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip you, Jared. You're gonna do pinnacle point four because along those lines, little separate, uh, not Cincy Columbus based, but here in St. Louis, uh, the Nick, uh, how, how do you put the last name, the the uh, columnist here, got called out on making comments that. Uh, he, he was disappointed in ownership in that they did not spend adequate, adequately to take us deeper into the playoffs. Who is this? It's, oh, of course I don't have it here. Uh, it was on KMOX. One of, the, one of the guys does coverage for City. Nick Ganner. That's it. Yep. And, and I'm paraphrasing, but long story short, but he... he uh, basically said disappointed in ownership for not spending more money (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know like that is so far out left field i don't i couldn't even respond to that no no totally crazy jared what you got pinnacle point four well my pinnacle point four goes along with what your announcement today um my wife is the most avid Fox Theater fan in the world. Yeah, she likes it. Um, She loves to play. She loves to make a night out of it, and we've done some stay vacations there. And in December, they have some exciting shows, and then shortly after December, coming up, and we're going to a bunch of them. She's dragging me to them, and I do have fun. I like the food in in that building, and, and she likes the shows. But right now, you got Cirque du Soleil going on. Um, if I'm even saying that right, Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil. Cirque. Yeah. Um, you know, in Circle mid- Soul. Yeah, Circle Soul. <laughs> in mid, <laughs> I loved it. I did that on purpose. In mid December, you got Aladdin, and then let me tell you, around um, around Do Christmas, you trust me? Mrs. Doubtfire. Ooh. So for Christmas, um, what I'm doing for all you guys out there is I'm buying the wife and the kids. They're really excited. Um, tickets to Mrs. Doubtfire. So we're going to explore St. Louis here in December a couple times at the Fox Theater. Did you really just say the wife? <clears throat> the wife, yeah. What do you mean? All right, she misspelled your name forever. Yeah. Yeah, I just, that phrase. It, th- there's that ad, I don't I think it's like, oh, oh, I'm glad you. Kitchen I'm, and bath nah, company. I'm, to- I'm totally interrupting Love. you. I, did you see the Chevy truck ad? 
No. Which one? Look, I would like to believe I'm a fairly um, stable, um, mentally mentally tough at times. But I watched cry? this. Com- I fucking bawled my eyes out. Oh boy! You cried after a Chevy Ad truck commercial. It's a five minute long video commercial. Just it, it, it like right out of the gate. They, they, I mean, they're checking every box to make you be like, I suck. I'm a horrible human. I want a Chevy truck. If we're speaking ads, can I say something after you're finished? You can say it right Are now. You, hold we, on. I, I, we, we try not to get real political on this show, but just recently it was announced that Walmart is pulling all of their ads from X. Well, them and about yeah, and Disney, 50 other and massive brands. <laughs> well, I watched that. I watched that press conference with Aaron, Aaron the other night. That's Aaron Sorkin, to me. like, as we were talking about this earlier about Jack Welch. Yeah. When you're at that level, Andrew Sorkin. Andrew. Andrew Ross yeah. Sorkin. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but when you're at that level, when you're a Jack Welch, when you're an Elon Musk, you are so smart. Like, it's extremely hard for a lot of those individuals to operate in normal society. And the other night, he proved it. On that stage, did you watch it? Yeah, I didn't watch you it. You don't. Oh my god! I can't god. watch it. He's an alien. Uh, it, he, he, <laughs> somebody did a great job, and you got to find this video. Somebody did jo- a, 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 a internet video of Elon Musk being asked what he would say if Bob Iger from Disney was here right now, and then they spliced in uh, Regis Philbin. <laughs> from, from uh, not who wants to be a millionaire the 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 quiz show what was that um, oh my god yeah I don't know and you could phone a friend what was that who wants to be a millionaire yeah yeah you said it first yeah I was right okay so <laughs> they spliced that in and they put that question up with all these different things and Elon's looking and thinking around and and one of the <laughs> option D was Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) And they actually phone Bob Iger and they have like him talking to Elon. (laughs) And at the end of it, he just goes, yeah, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's just crazy. I mean, news right now is going bonkers. Um, So the second half of the show here, we're going to talk about a lot of soccer. Yeah. where, what do what, be, I want to ask you guys mm-hmm. in preparation because he's got you know a long tenure. Yeah, what are you most excited to hear about? Ooh, I, I'll go first. I, I'm and I'm gonna bring it out of him. I'm gonna the stories that people actually listen to these podcasts for, and I have a good one I'm gonna bring up. Yeah, I'm looking for the stories, but I'm also interested in, in Jared and I kind of talked about this before we started recording. I, I want to hear his kind of philosophy on winning championships versus developing players. Yeah. Which is the academy model now. And and he's been through a lot of different iterations of that. So I Yeah, that's what that. I've been thinking about because like he's he's touched every aspect of the game in which so many of these yep. conversations have been the difference between playing for something in a short period of time versus playing for something over a long period of time versus individual development and it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm going to roll this out. We've got a got another Pogues tune here. You guys, you guys know this one, Fairytale New York. It is. It's actually my favorite Christmas song. 
Here we go. Caught on a lucky one. Came in 16 to 1. 18 to 1. <laughs> Was this in love, actually? I, you know, I don't know. It's been in quite a few <laughs> movies. But uh, Shane McGowan, folks, rest in peace. Uh, we're going to be right back with Dale Shilley from St. Louis City Academy. And uh, we're down here at Maggio's. We're going to get a quick refill, come back, talk a bunch of soccer, and I'm sure probably a few other things. Yeah. That's usually how it goes, right? Yeah. You down for that? Yeah, I am down. All right, gentlemen, we'll be right back. Buying a home, it's kind of a big deal. Never has there been more competition to buy, so few homes to choose from, all made worse by an uncertain interest rate landscape. Now that you're short a bedroom for the third kid, you're in the wrong school district, and a walkable corner pub isn't nearly close enough, it's time to reach out to the Pinnacle Loan Team for help. They work with a network of agents that have their feet on the ground across the whole region and have a number of loan products that are cost-effective with a process that is simple. Basically, they've got you covered from start to finish. So when it's time to buy, visit thepinnacleloans.com. That's thepinnacleloans.com, simply the best in home loans. Yo. Say, Jared. Loving the guitar. <laughs> say who the band say. is, though. I don't know who the band is. You will in two seconds. Oh, my God. I don't know it. You are officially on waivers. I don't know it. Zach, who is it? Oh, my God. Both of you guys. It's a little band called the Beatles. I was waiting for him to say it because it's, you always say, is this the oh, Beatles? Oh, you were not waiting. I saw the look in your no, no, face. No, no. I, didn't I knew who. That's why I said you can say it. I knew who it was. All right. I wasn't aware of this one, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Someday, Jared, we'll go out. To, we'll, you know what we'll do? Here's what we'll do. We'll go out to the cabin. We'll do another golf outing day. And then when we're done, we won't burn down the deck. <laughs> Cook more pork steaks. <laughs> And we'll play a bunch of vinyl, and we'll quiz you. Okay? Sound good? Sounds good. I'm in. You down with that? All right, we're back. We're down here at Maggio's. Um, really love their hosting abilities here. Uh, it's Christmas season, too. They've got Christmas parties galore uh, going on down here. So if you're looking to fill a gap, hit them up. They can help you, cater, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we're back. We've got our guests sitting here ready to chat. All things little round ball that bounce around with 11 v 11. Better known Exciting. as soccer. You yeah, this is going to be a good one. This guy has a master's, a doctorate. This guy has <laughs> been around the game maybe longer than anyone. PhD, but he won't <laughs> cut you open. Yeah, that's exactly right. I like it. Without further ado, Dale Shelley. How are you doing, Dad? I'm good, guys. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel old, but it's all right. Here, well, you know what? Seasoned. It's not old. It's That's right. Seasoned. That's right. Seasoned. Yes. Been a been a long time, but been a great time. Well, I first off, just get this out of the way. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. I, I know we've kind of uh, been pinging a little bit, and I don't know. You're you're kind of busy with this new gig and the teams and. Uh, Let's let's start there. 
the last 18, 24 months down here at City SC, just kind of recap it. Like if you had to put a quick snapshot on the last two plus years of your experience and what you've been doing, how's it, how's it feel? How do you feel right now? You know, it's, it's incredible when you think about it because I had really limited to no interest in running the St. Louis City Academy. I was, uh, I was really happy with, uh, with St. Louis Scott Gallagher. I've been there for 27 years and had loved every minute that, that I had spent in Illinois running the program in Illinois and then hopping across the river and getting the St. Louis FC stint and, and then working with Patch and, and Kevin Kalish to, to build uh, you know, the merged St. Louis Scott Gallagher brand and, and the club and the organization. And when Lutz spoke to me about the opportunity, uh, I was I, I was really ambivalent about it. I was really happy with where I was and what I was doing. I didn't see myself going anyplace else. I saw myself retiring in uh, at the soccer park and enjoying the rest of my years there with uh, you know just kind of seeing the program out and, and continuing to work on it. But then you started thinking about the opportunity of being in an MLS <laughs> franchise yeah, and, right. and trying to build it from the ground up and, and having the opportunity to, uh, to help put it together. And, you know, as, as Jared said, I spent a few years on the fields and, and around the neighborhoods and at all levels. I mean, coaching six-year-olds and, and coaching a, a, the USL team. I just thought, you know what, why, why not? Why not? Uh, why not do it? And why not put uh, put everything you have into it? And and when I took it over, I found that there was a new reason to get up in the morning. And it was exciting. And it was a change. And it was a challenge. And it was difficult. And it was hard. And the expectations were high. And it was it was uh, it was a, a difficult thing to start when there wasn't a blueprint. And uh, and here we were starting at 15. And other clubs were starting at 12. And and the style of play was different, and the expectations were different, and guys spoke a different language. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was hearing German. Yeah. It was yeah. often. It was great, great fun. Often, yeah. It's funny you, you, you kind of ended that description there. Um, my question is, is, is we kind of outlined a little bit, which we will more so in the show, uh, of your longevity here in the city specifically. Um, back in those Metro days when you ran the youth club in Collinsville before it turned into St. Louis Metro Scott Gallagher and then St. Louis Scott Gallagher, Illinois, or whatever the acronym name was, um, can you talk about the pros and cons of today's academy environment and when you were running that club in Metro? You know, I'm pretty sure, like, in the Metro days, everything was centered around State Cup on that Illinois side going to Chicago. Now things are a little different on pathway and development. Talk about the pros and cons a little bit, difference of the, of the two jobs, if you will. I, I would say the first, we'll, we'll talk like pre-academy before, not pre-academy, but before the academy started with the Development Academy in 2007, 2008, and the current landscape of, of soccer. So back pre-2007, everything was centered around state cup and mm -hmm. so you built all year to win state cup uh, and then you you really trained players for that one um, event that event that was going to last you know maybe a month for us in illinois because it was one loss and you're out you travel to, to rockford 
if you lost in that game, uh, that one game you had, then you turned around and came home. If you won, you played the next day. Um, and so you, you went for about a month, and that was, that was what you trained for. In the Development Academy, it's, it was built to give you more meaningful games over the course of a longer period of time. Uh, and, and I think from a development perspective, that's been good. I'll say this, though, with a ca caveat. People and coaches and clubs were developing really good players on below average fields with not as much training days and not as many training days and without having meaningful games over the course of a year. Guys, I mean, look at the players that this community, Illinois included, the players that turned out pre-MLS Academy. Huh, the list is enormous. It's enormous, and and yeah. I but, would say I would say that I would say that pre-development academy, pre-2007, uh, clubs turned out as good of players as what they're turning out today in the academy. I don't know that we're turning out or that they turned out as many with all the facilities with the coaching education now that is going on with U.S. soccer, there's a lot more high-quality coaches involved in the game, and they're impacting a lot more kids. So I do think eventually we will see the highest-level players that we've seen, but I think right now we're turning out more than what we did before. I don't know if we're turning out any better than what we did before. Well said. So, so let, me, let me ask you a question. Um, Staying in this vein, staying in this lane of conversation here, Be because you had a lot of experience not only coaching at the club level, but uh, through the ODP days as well, you know, pulling in regional kids and yeah, you coached collegiately, you, you know, uh, you were down in New Orleans for a while. So you've kind of, you've touched programs and systems that had, you know, specific needs and or goals, such as you play for state cup there's one goal you get a team together the goal the whole season is to go and win mm -hmm. and then you've coached at the odp level where it's a much different goal where you're looking at pathway and you're looking at picking and and pool and, 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 pull, and funneling kids and and then there's everything in the middle you know even the 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 at the collegiate time where you have a two or three month short window where all that matters is winning so when you look at your experiences in each of those facets and then you fast forward to today and your role and your finger on these kids within this particular academy system, talk about how you balance development versus winning. That, that mindset of these extremely talented young players, how do, you, how do you balance that within the world that you're in? Well... I think always uh, there has been an emphasis in this country on development of players because we've always been behind. So, you know, to put an emphasis on winning today, and I'm talking, you know, over the last, what I started at, uh, I started in Illinois with Metro United in uh, 1994. That was a completely <laughs> different century, Dale. October. Watch yourself, boys. <laughs> Watch yourself. I was a sophomore. <laughs> in college? In high school. <laughs> I was a sophomore in college. 
Yeah, so that was the that was October of, of 1994 is when I started my first practice. And as a matter of fact, uh, the club I took over, I followed Tommy Howe. Okay. So Tommy had started him, the, the program at Metro FC uh, with the help of his brother-in-law, Tom Posnanski. I yep. remember Jamie yep. Posnanski. Yeah, yep. Uh, yeah, Tom was... Uh, Tom Tom Posnanski was his nephew was Tommy, my brother-in-law. It would have been brother-in-law, and uh, yeah. So anyway, Tom Posnanski hired me to come up and, and run a club at that time, and with four with four teams. It didn't take me long to figure out that uh, I didn't wasn't sure I was going to put bread on the table for the family <laughs> with uh, with only four teams. And look, I think that leads into exactly sort of what shaped me as a as a coach was. From a long-term perspective, you had to be able to develop players. You right. had to be able to show that there was a place that you were going to go. And at that time, uh, State Cup was important, but college placement was the most important thing. If I could show a track record of creating opportunities for players that were in that program for their future, something that they could do, something they could build on, then, uh, then I could be successful over the long run. However, you had to win on the weekend. Because we were the only pay-to-play model in Southern Illinois at the time. And if anybody beat the pay-to-players, uh, you would hear chants from the fans on the other side of the <laughs> sideline. So it was, oh. there was a lot of, there was the pressure to win. And I would say that coaches today are fortunate in that they have a safety net from these mega-sized clubs that they're in. They have a safety net because of the number of players and where they are financially as an organization compared to the smaller clubs that we had 30 years ago, 40 years ago, where if you didn't win games or you didn't place players in yeah. college, you would not just lose players, but you would lose teams, and you didn't have 100 teams, 200 teams, 300 teams. You may have had 25 or 30 teams, and when you lost a couple of teams there, it could avalanche very, very quickly. So winning was really, really important. Development was the long-term piece that, that kept people looking at you as a place to to buy into and stay a part of that program, but you had to win. So how do you identify coaches and staffs that can really hone that message of player development? Because that's different than a coach who's out to win. Yeah. And most coaches, I would assume, want to win. And so there is, I would imagine, kind of a, a learning curve or a different style of coach you're looking for to come into an academy and you're, 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 you're preaching to them, listen, our focus is development of players. We want to win too, and that's a big deal. But at the end of the day, we're here to, to, to develop players. Can you talk a little bit about the, the coaching style that you're looking for the type of person you're looking and he's for. done both right I and mean, he, he's really lived the, the the full lifespan of it so what perfect guy what what better guy to ask i agreed so i think the first thing is it's it there's certainly a trial and error piece to it there it is very difficult to identify guys that have that um that ability that knack to be able to do both because it takes a little bit of personality, a little bit of salesmanship, a lot of insight, a lot of, of willingness to grunt and grind, insight towards the game and the willingness to be able to teach but know how to get after people at the same time to make yeah. sure you're drawing stuff out of them. 
How do you identify those guys? Man, I mean, I can tell you that back in the Metro United days, I would not hire friends. I only hired people that I either competed against <laughs> or were or comfortable firing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, we, we spoke before the show about Jeremy Elmball. Jeremy yeah. was a guy that I saw him start a program in Springfield and do a great job of doing exactly that. And so even though I want to say Jeremy and I weren't friends, but we certainly weren't, weren't buddies like a lot of my other buddies were here locally or, or what have you, but we competed against each other. and He was an easy one to pick up. You know, he, he kind of said when, he, when you brought him up, um, he stayed with you and your wife, and one of his first jobs was uh, you and your wife got into a pizza cooking contest. <laughs> and um, sounds like, by all accounts, you may have took first prize over Mrs. Shilly, and there's a secret ingredient. Yeah. Uh, should we share it? Uh, what was it? I'm thinking it was like uh, liquid smoke. That's on my what cheese. it was. He said he <laughs> wow. put liquid smoke in his pizza, and it blew his wives away. Okay, Jeremy so, was nice. Well, that's a great segue. I'm gonna assume that's a North County thing. Uh, you know what? It was. It's, it's not. It, it's, it's me trying to steal Emo's recipe off of the. Uh, yeah, so you can yeah. find some. Yeah, that was interesting. We we did now. I don't know if Jeremy told you this, but uh, we hosted a we hosted a chili cook-off over in Illinois, and I I won that one as well. Lick you were smoke playing. Again. You were playing chess. They were playing checkers <laughs> because you brought the white chili in, and everybody else made red chili. Yeah, I, I won up them on that one. Let me let me, <laughs> let me let me ask you about this because you know you've geographically you've touched a lot of corners in this country uh, with the game uh, at, at every level. Uh, you've seen it. You've, you, you've recruited kids from all over the place. You've coached them in multiple markets. Clearly, you're from here. You gravitate. You're here now. Um, can you talk a little bit about the role that, in your opinion, that St. Louis, the St. Louis soccer scene, the St. Louis pedigree, the history of the game here, the culture that we've uh, developed over literally generations how big of a deal is that now that you're in the role with an MLS club and you get to engage with all of these other clubs, does that ever resonate in your head or can you describe what it means to be a St. Louis player within the realm of MLS and at the higher level? I would say that one of the things about the St. Louis culture that is unique amongst all the other cultures in the country and we don't recognize it here locally we we hear it and see it when when we're outside of the st louis market is um the generations here that have played the game the oh. generations that have uh that have helped build the game and I, i've said this a number of times is you know when the game was floundering in other parts of the of the country and uh, and you know soccer had a little bit of a start, but then it, it kind of faded. Whether it was because of pro leagues dissipating or uh, you know whatever it was, here in St. Louis we still had what we're calling now old timers. What people will say in a few years, old timers were looking back. Legend. But we had yeah, we had guys that were pushing, and it's not just not just guys that are getting patted on the back because of their involvement with soccer, but it's the priests that started the, started CYC. The, yeah, the CYC and, and made sure that where I went to school, San Angelo Marisi, 
had a uh, had a eighth grade soccer team or a sixth grade soccer team or whatever it was and just kept those leagues going and kept things uh, kept things rolling. And so we've got you know three or four generations of soccer people, people that played the sport, coached the sport, have insight into the sport, have a passion for the sport. That's and amazing. when you go to other places in this country, you have one generation. They're one generation deep. There's not. It's rare that you find somebody that where it's two generations, where there's a grandfather, a father, and a son who have all played the sport. Well, I just saw today, um, yes, yes, please. I just saw today it was a birthday for Pete Sorber. Uh-huh. You know, and, and I that what you just described, I, I saw that post and I'm like, that's three generations. Pete, Mike, and Mike's, yeah, Mike's yeah. son is now back in the mix again. Yeah. And that's, and I, and I even said to myself, that can't be normal. You know, and and it's one of those things. That's not the only one. Like we see that all the time. Um, so let me ask a part B to this. Now that you're traveling around with the academies, you know, uh, the academy's been going down to Dallas the last few years, and right out of the gate at the 17 level, and you know, um, you're making the semifinals. You know, at, at this at the end of the year tournament, year one. You know, with in essence, a whole new club. How cool was that for you? With a new style, with a new, you. yeah, yeah, with a very, with a, mm-hmm. uh, with a new style. How cool was it for you though to take that St. Louis Crest, go into the new boy, you know, the big boys club, and say, you know what, we're not worried, we're good, and run to the semis in those big tournaments and beyond. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think first off, you have to. The cool part about it is being able to represent St. Louis. The St. Louis City Crest is an awesome part of it, but you know, to be able to have the arch on your chest and, and to represent St. Louis because it's it's only because of the way the club is set up and that we only start at 15 years old. I don't know that we could do it if we started younger. Like a lot of the other ones do. Exactly right. And I think they have to. I think in some communities they have to have a 13-year-old team. Right. They have to have a 14-year-old team. But here if we took, if we went in and we tried to start a club at 12 or at 13, we would actually hurt the development of the sport in this community. Because we are allowing the local clubs to fight it out and to, to really be champions at 12, 13, and 14, we're actually growing the base of players that we have at a higher level. And we're allowing those coaches to really fight harder and those clubs to fight harder for supremacy in those age groups and that's only making us better when we get them at 15 16 and i love that statement and i want to ask you kind of a follow-up to that which was what was the biggest surprise for you coming over to an mls affiliate i mean gallagher was an mls next academy but a true mls affiliate what was the biggest surprise and why was it parents like jared <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> I don't think it's funny. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, the, I, I tell you, the the biggest surprise uh, and, and one of the biggest one of the challenges, and it's something that we that we talk about as staffs, uh, as a staff, is how do we how do we change the way that we approach our work in a in a model that is free and not 
pay to play. Right. We had we it was ingrained. I mean, all of us had had lived our life trying to to be able to to put food on our table in the profession that we chose. It was our it was our fault. We we picked it and uh, self inflicted. Yeah, yeah. self inflicted. So how do we how do we change the way we approach because because it's a completely different. The rules change. Everything's the relationship with families is different. Um, the the way that you talk and approach the kids is a little bit different. The expectations can be different. Everything is different than between the the you know the the, the MLS Academy and the pay-to-play model, and that was the biggest challenge. Well, so I I want to ask a question, kind of the, a parallel to shifting into. Um, you know, the pay to play, really high level, because obviously St. Louis, Scott Gallagher, Lou Fuse, et cetera, they're on the map nationally. The, the, the non MLS mm-hmm. academies like the Strikers and Soccers, sure. et cetera, Gallagher's in that conversation mm-hmm. all day long. Um, when you get into the MLS world and it's, and it's not pay to play, they're part of the system. Um, the one thing that we've experienced, you know, we're going to talk firsthand mm-hmm. here. Uh, watching our kids go through the process is the emphasis on mental approach, uh, mental preparation, the soccer resilience program, yep. et cetera. Um, because as much as, you know, a lot, because there's a lot of parents that we talk to that we bump into, they're like, oh, it's free. Why wouldn't you do it? And, you know, and there's a lot of like dismissive attitudes towards, oh, it's just easier. And I don't think I've ever seen something for kids this age more difficult. So my question to you is, speak to that. Talk about, you know, because you, you, you talked about how you look at your coaches and how you uh, handle engaging with families, et cetera. But the pressure on these kids and the mental approach, what does that mean to you and how do you manage that? There is nothing more difficult than what these kids are going through. I mean, I just uh, and and for people that I could see where where people on the outside think, okay, well, it's free, so and you got you know really good players from the area and presumably the best players from the community, so it's going to be uh, it, it's it's going to be easier. It is it is very difficult for these kids. The amount of disappointment that they face day in and day out because of the because of the competitive nature of all the players that they're with and because of the prize that we're trying to get them to at the end of this thing makes it extremely challenging. Uh, you know, just to name a few, just the, the, the training environment, trying to, to be good enough in the training environment, to make a roster on the weekend, to make a, uh, to, to, to make a travel team to go to the, to the MLS Next Fest event where, you know, rosters are not 18, they're 22, 25, whatever that number, whatever that number is. It's a very difficult thing. And, you know, at, at, at different stages, we have to go through the process of eliminating players from rosters at the end of the year. And that's not, that's not fun for those kids. And they know it's sitting out there. The part that is unique is we aren't necessarily building a team at the end of the year. We're building, we're sculpting what it's going to look like and who's, who still belongs in the environment as they get older because they're reaching the levels that could put them into an MLS conversation. I love that. It's not about... Yeah, you, can, you can really see that. You well, can, yeah. You can see it. Yeah, my, fo- my follow-up real quick, and then I know he's got to 
uh, biting, biting at the bit. No, no I'm chomping. <laughs> chomping. Are you chomping today? <laughs> Say it right. Yeah. Wednesday, you're biting. Today, you're exactly. chomping. Here's the deal, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm going to beat you up. Uh, go ahead. No. <laughs> well, what? It, oh my God! I totally lost my train of thought here. No, but what I was, what I was want, wanted to ask you about was the the why on soccer resilience in particular. Because I mean, you've worked at a lot of orgs and clubs, etc., at the highest level. But but the, this club took a concerted effort to uh, address that part of the pie. Can you can you? Explain what the club's uh, uh, philosophy is on making sure that these kids have mental training that is equal to technical yeah. training and everything else. It's a really, it's a really simple answer for me. Is uh, just growing up, I was not, I was not a soccer player. I was a baseball player. I did not make the team at, at Rosary. I was, I went to Rosary High School, and and I was not. Uh, you know, I got cut from the got cut from the team. It's good fun. It's just part of it. Right. And I didn't take it. I didn't take the sport serious until some things happened to me, and uh, and then I end up at Lewis and Clark, and then I end up winning a national championship at, at FIU. So the importance, the, the ability to rebound and deal with disappointment is really important. I used to give you, you spoke about ODP before. I used to give a speech at the end of every. ODP uh, oh, mini camp. I heard it. <laughs> I, was, I was there. I, I heard that speech. <laughs> yeah. And it, <laughs> Did Denny Vanegar go to Rosary and not make the team too? Denny, no. I think we're, he we're, was like McBride. Yeah, he went, to, he went to public school. He went to public oh, school. Oh, yeah, is yeah. he Norman? No, I don't know where Denny was. Uh, it wasn't Steve, Norman. But he wasn't yeah. Norman. Steve was Normandy. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I used to give the used to give the talk. It's not what happens to you; it's what what you do with it once it happens to you. And and that's the theme for soccer resiliency is, you know, you're going to have disappointment. How are you going to deal with it? How are you going to turn it into something positive? And if you can, if players can do that, it increases the likelihood of them continuing to to get better and and stay inside of that pyramid. I've got so many follow-up questions to what you just said and I'm excited for our second half. Um, I want to get into the shape of the MLS next, which is potentially changing. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to get into a little bit more of your kind of coaching background, FC playing days. background, we need the to FC get to, days. Yeah, we need to talk about that. So I have a lot of and where, going And up. where he buys his liquid smoke from. <laughs> I don't buy it anymore. <laughs> He's not competing anymore. I won already. You got, yeah. uh, He's uh, already got the trophy. Why, why go back? Hey, we're going to take a quick break. We're down here at Maggie O'Brien's. We're going to get some refills. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a whole lot more soccer with Coach Dale Schilly. See you on the flip side. The term staycation was really invented by soccer moms. Located one hour and seven minutes from the arch, the Music Box Chalet at Innsbruck is a hidden gem. Buried in three acres of private woods, the Music Box has a master suite for just you, a loft and second bath for them, and a vinyl collection to meet your every mood. The full-size kitchen will easily accommodate three to 12 bottles of rosé, while the huge fire pit seating area will keep the big kids busy. Golf, fishing, kayaking, pickleball, or simply reading a book with Mother Nature, all at your fingertips. 
Visit either VRBO or Airbnb to find the Music Box Chalet. And now, back to those guys. That's a guitar, Jared. I can read the screen, and I still don't know who this is. I don't know why I act yeah, the way I do. You like that? To me. Hunter Peebles and the Moonlighters. I'm okay with Outlaw Country. <laughs> I like it. I just, I've never heard of it. Do you like it? Yeah, I like Outlaw Country. I just said it. I went to, uh, <laughs> I think they needed some more reverb in the vocals, though. Oh, you think? No. Yeah, probably not. Hunter Peebles. He's a buddy of mine, actually. I like it. So he just released this album last night. I, I typically go to bed at like I think he got eight. his start at Gaslight. Uh, he, he, he came from his music there. He, his first EP was cut with us. Um, kid's good, though. No, I like him. Yeah. He's good. So uh, I want to throw out a little local. I mean, I can't just keep playing. You well, know. Dale, what, what's your favorite you know, genre of music? Yeah, what do you well, listen to? You know who he sounds like. He sounds like, you won't know this group, a group called the Gear Daddies. Gear Daddies. Yeah, they're, uh, from, they they're from Minnesota. Oh, yeah? Old, I mean, probably 90s. I think he sounds little, like Dwight Yoakam. Yeah. He's got, you know, he's got a couple, he's got a couple things here. Let me, uh, I tell you what, let's have a little fun real. Sure. Here, this one. Let me see what you guys think of this one. Dale, what, what, your, what's your go-to? You, you're on what's the road. What's my go-to? What genre? Oh, uh, you guys. Like, what's your playlist? Uh, so, back in the old day, it would have been like Midnight Oil or NXS. Ah, that's, ah. I love that. Yeah. And yeah. then it would have turned into Blink or Weezer. Ah, uh, you keeping and, up a wow. little pop yeah. alternative. I like that. Here. I liked Weezer. <laughs> Here you go. Tell me. <laughs> check this out. See what you guys think. Less reverb. I like it. Yeah, we did this one. Yeah, this is a little more raw. I like it. Yeah, this was just him and a guitar. Yeah, this is, it was this awesome. is my style. Good kid, though. Anyway, give him a follow, people, if you're listening. 100, 100 Peebles. Peebles, yeah. Go on. P-E-E-B-L-E-S. Good little South City kid. Um, all right, enough. Uh, yeah, I want I want to jump in. I mean... We've been talking to Dale for the last 30 minutes plus about coaching and development and all that kind of stuff. A lot of people who listen to the show probably recognize your voice more so from your more more recent stint as a color commentator for the city uh the the broadcast. al michaels of city park yeah i mean you and <laughs> 981 981 and joey and and jen um can you talk a little bit about, or tell the story about how the heck yeah, that right. happened? Yeah. Because you were the you, academy director <laughs> for City. Prior to that, you were at Gallagher, and you coached forever and done a lot of great things within the game. You, but broadcasting, I, I didn't see that in your resume. That was not on the bingo card. He's done a little no. bit of it, I think, prior. A little bit, yeah. But I just, just tell our, yeah. our, our folks. How so that you'll you'll be surprised on this one. So you know, obviously, I, I did a little bit. I'm sure Jared will remember I did some Friday night soccer shows on KFNS. Yes, yeah. yep. Um, and uh, and that was uh, that was fun and it was good. And I did a couple of games with McDermott and and Jim Hewer was it was Jim awesome. Hewer, is that Bernie Mickles's guy? That, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, right. That, that's yeah. right. You, I, I remember you and his work together. Yeah, and then but the way I got started. Uh, which is kind of interesting is after I got let go from St. Louis FC, there was a little bit of a void. What was I going to do? What was I, where was I going to go next? And 
and I didn't want to leave St. Louis. St. Louis, there were some opportunities to leave and maybe chase it someplace else, but I decided to stay. And the only real opportunity that I had to do something on air was to do some studio work for or some some uh, warehouse, I guess studio work, in, um, in Fort Lauderdale with ESPN+. Plus. So what I would do, they would only pay for your for your appearance, and so I would I would buy a ticket on Southwest. I would fly down to Fort Lauderdale, leave at five in the morning, get down there at whatever time, and then uh, do two or three games in a day in the USL inside of a studio inside of a warehouse at uh, Vista was the name of the company, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I would spend the night in the airport, uh, wake up the next morning. Uh, fly back home, coach games in the afternoon on on Sunday, and then I would do that a handful of times just to get the experience of what it was like to sit in front of a TV screen and try to to describe what was going on. It was, at the time, my wife thought I was nuts, and I definitely thought I was nuts, (laughs) but but it was good. How hard was it for you, you know, being obviously so close to the game from a coaching standpoint, to, to get behind the mic and and not be that guy to not be the critic because you ha- you have your own personal mm-hmm. favorite sure. style of play or even players or you know culture of players and as you watch games and if you know if a team is completely off the rails in your opinion how hard was it for you early and really up to this point to kind of be uh, objective so it really depends on what your mission is and, and what's driving you. And, and for me, I always felt like that color commentators in soccer spoke down to, to people and didn't, didn't respect the level of knowledge that there is here in the country. So I wanted to, to raise that level so that people that were part of the sport and played the sport could appreciate. Celebrate it. Exactly, and 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 be excited about hearing the game on radio or on TV about the way it was being described, and not feeling like that they were having to hear what a throw-in was or what an offsides call was. <laughs> and I also thought it was important, and why '98 helped this because of who their target audience is. I wanted to educate, be able to find that middle road to also educate uh, the the novice about the sport and get them excited about it as well. And and I think I think that we did a decent job of connecting on both of those. Well, I was going to say, I, home games, I listen to you in the bathroom. Because that's, <laughs> that's where you could hear Full you. Full transparency. Full transparency. <laughs> on breaks. In the stadium. In the stadium. Good, good. I could hear you and Joey and Jen every once in a while. But I'll be honest, Dale, and this is not blowing smoke, you brought to the broadcast not just the maturity of the coaching side of it but a calmness and a way of describing what was going on in the field to a novice all the way up to an expert and you didn't condescend but you were able to kind of thread that needle which is very very challenging and we've had joey on the show it's a good balance with joey yeah we, it's, it's, it's joey's really more the the rah-rah like he loves to use little quips and quotes and get people fired up and that, that's one way of putting it I, yes Jen adds a little bit more kind of a flavor in a, in a different profile um, but you were always kind of the, the grounded voice that really spoke to the person who understood the game and could kind of picture it 
while they're listening. And so I just wanted to, to yeah. congratulate you on that because I think for those that, that knew you and have known you for a while in a different capacity to hear you on the mic, hear you doing the, the commentary, like, wow, that's impressive. That's not easy to do. It's not a, it's not a skill that most people just well, happen into. It's, you gotta, that takes I'll, time. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the first game that I did, uh, and this kind of goes back to, to the original question of how did it start? You know, then the, the question came at, at some point just before the season, are you, are you interested? And, <laughs> and, and yes, I, I, you know, it was not an audition. This was, uh, this was just something that dropped in out of, out of the How blues. nervous were you? Um, you know, the first, so the, the pregame stuff, first I do a, 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 the Bradley interview. So the first or second Bradley interview I did was, was a little, um, little nervy. Uh, the first when I my first uh, taping in the in the studios down in Fort Lauderdale, I was uh, yeah, I was shaking in my boots. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. 100 percent. But then after that was fine. Once I sat in the booth with Joey after the pregame, we were in the uh, we were in the in the game. The game started, and I heard cereal bowl. And I heard Equator, <laughs> and I heard he texts a pass to so and so and emails Shaving it back fish. to Berkey. <laughs> Shaving fish. <laughs> I, I, all all nerves were gone. <laughs> so you you we'll get we'll get you away from here. So you had mentioned the FC days, and and, and you talked about the end of those days. At the beginning of those days, that was a real exciting time in our city. Um, can you talk about because we have mutual friends? Um, early on in those days, you, um, I think you took a red eye out to uh, <laughs> L.A. And uh, I, I'll set it up a little bit, and then you go from there. But there was maybe an immigrant community that, that brought you in, and, and you were kind of going out in a scouting role, and I think it was maybe a cash game, which did those exist? This, what is you a know, cash game? Yeah, we got to talk about this a little bit. So... You okay. early it's on. It's where real players are found. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it was like the old, like, rooster fighting days back in the day. Set, <laughs> like, it was like a like, setup for a movie. Well, yeah, exactly. So so let's take a step further back. So in those days, there were, this was 2014. All right? So in 2014, which is only nine years ago, it seems like yesterday to me, one of you are going to say, yeah, I wasn't even married yet or whatever. But I don't know. But... But, oh, oh no! I was still old and fat. Back <laughs> I, had, too. I had three kids by then. <laughs> good, good, good. So, um, so the way we would find players is to watch uh, YouTube videos of guys that would they would send us YouTube videos of themselves, and some of them would be game clips. Some of them would be. Uh, I, there was one. There was a guy from Latvia that sent me a video of him juggling a soccer ball walking through a train. And whenever I read his email, I would I would read these emails from all these hundreds or thousands of guys that were interested in coming to play in this country, even American guys. And I would read it in what I thought was their native tongue. So when this Latvian sent me this email and a video of him juggling a soccer ball through a train, I read it in uh, Smirnov. What was the comedian? Yakov. Yakov. Smirnov. I read it in his voice, and, and you know, <laughs> it was. Because every time I would see where these guys were from, I'd, I'd read it in their tribal voice or their whatever country they were from. It was pretty funny. But it was just wasn't a way to find guys. So we started with coaches from the club 
being assigned certain videos to watch from players, and then we had a rating of thousands of guys with the 20 or so coaches that we had in the club that would rate them all. And then I would go around to different showcase events to find players. Well, when you went to a showcase, nobody tackled. There was nothing on the line. There was, there was no competitiveness in these showcase um, combine-type games. As a matter of fact, the only competitive thing there was to play as a defensive midfield player because nobody would hit you, and you always had time and space in the ball, and you could make yourself look good. But we couldn't find players there. So I found a, found a guy out in uh, California who was a, had a connection with some guys, and he said, hey, there's a game coming up next week you really need to come out here for. He was a tow truck company owner and he picked me up in a tow truck <laughs> and i did take a red eye this, left out there is this the armenians this is, uh, yeah, this is the, my armenian friend and and we i left here in the first flight to get out to la got to la he picked me up uh we went to la live i think is uh was a area out there where there's some restaurants and stuff we had lunch um drove to a high school soccer stadium through a really rough part of town uh, next to USC's campus. So I don't know if you've been out that way, yeah. but it's a pretty rough area. Yep. And uh, Greg said to me, uh, you cannot leave this facility uh, until the until we leave tonight. And, and sure enough, the high school had, you know, 10 foot, 12 foot high fences, razor wire. Wow. And I saw two games, two semifinal games. The first one was okay, but the second one had probably eight or nine guys that had some time in the MLS, currently on rosters, certainly a number of guys that have played in the USL. And uh, one of the team's names was San Nicholas, and I don't remember what the other team's name was, but the quality of the soccer was out of this world. And there was $17,000 on the line between the two coaches and the cash was being held at the right on the, the center line. There were bets between the players. The players were all getting paid for sure to, to play in that game. Did you say anybody from there? I, I, we tried to sign a couple of them, but I couldn't afford them. They were probably making more in the, in the game. But I, a couple of the guys recognized me and I, I said hi to them from different events that we had seen and, and a couple of them said, hey, you never saw me here. And nope. Yeah, you're right. I never saw you. What, what, what happens story. at Fight Club stays at Fight Club. That's One the first of those two rules. Right? Hey, let, let me ask you a question because this kind of ties into, I, I'm always curious because you, you've, you've been around a lot of different environments, you know, some, some of the young players through the ODP system that have gone on to, you know, X great heights and now being so close to the MLS environment. Um, Talk about one of the. Let me let me qualify this real quick. We have a theme. I love asking this, and that is the it factor. And given your Ooh. experience, you've seen players that have that have executed at the highest level. So two questions. Number one, if if I were to ask you to define your version of it, when you see a player that's like shit, that that dude's got it. A, what is it? it? And the B part of the question is, in all of your years, who's the one? Desert Island, you got to take that one it player that you've been close to. Who is it? So I would say uh, the it is just the way that that player carries himself and and um, handles himself in amongst his friends, 
how he handles himself on the field. Uh, it's not just the technical thing. It's just not the athletic thing. It's about how do they how do they carry himself from a confidence, maturity. Uh, I got the swagger. I'm I'm the man for the moment. That's the guy that uh, that's the guy that jumps out for me and every time. And it could be a goalkeeper. It could be a center back. It could be an outside back. It could be anybody. Who? Yeah. Because there's a there's a lot of names on there's your, a, on, there's a on, <laughs> on your resume list. Who's the one that just really impressed you? That you know is that is your go-to? Yeah. So I'll throw a couple names out there. It's really hard to sure. to pick out one. One would be uh, a guy that I never coached. Um, uh, Dempsey. Uh, what was his first name? Clint. Clint, Clint Dempsey. I was watching him on a, on a program last night. Just the way that he his chip carried himself. Yeah, the chip on his shoulder. Yeah, he had this he had this thing to prove. No matter who he was with, where he was at, who he was playing up against. I was watching him over in England as a center forward with Fulham or a front runner with Fulham. Unbelievable, you know That's how good, good he was. He was fearless. And, and so yeah. if he was fearless, he had this way of carrying himself regardless of who he was up against or or what. So a guy I never coached, but somebody that certainly had the it, and it was uh, it was a pain. hey that was Mark Moser's it too. Oh man, Dempsey. Yeah, Mark yeah. Moser liked Clint Dempsey a yep. lot. Well, Moser likes goal scorers. Yeah, he doesn't like anybody behind the nine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, uh, you know, Moser was. I coached him he when he was a U fourteen. Did he wear shin guards on his calves then too? Yeah. And he's, he, he won't. He won't. He may admit to this, but when he and his brother Scott and I coached his yep. coached his team with a guy named Andy Cimitero, a great guy as well, and uh, uh, Mose was a left back. At the time, and wow. he was like a walking PK. So at one point, <laughs> at one point, I think Andy just screamed, "We got to get him out of there! We got to put him up front!" And then he just started scoring goals. I I won't take credit for anything outside of the fact that he was a walking PK. Let let me let me t- pose the, kind of the same question in today's world. <clears throat> uh, the club has has signed a handful of homegrowns. Uh, obviously, you've got Miggy, at, can, young player. Um, how excited are you? And the one that I would like to ask you about, because he's getting the press, he's getting the looks, he's traveling, he's got that player profile. Um, Caden Glover, what? Give 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 your review of Caden Glover, and for those, because a lot of St. Louis SC fans, they know who he is, like. They're they're waiting for that 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 breakout, but talk about Caden as a player and what you see as far as his potential ceiling. Sure. Yeah. You know? So I think I think Caden's got an immense amount of potential. He's got first off just mammoth size and physical abilities. Uh, just incredible what. Physically, he brings to the game, and he's got terrific feet, and he's good in front of the goal, and he's a hard worker, and he's got a lot of a lot of really good qualities. Yeah, he's got a tremendous challenge in front of him to be signed at such a young age, and with people having such high expectations. Right. He has to be willing to go through the steps necessary to get there, and and maybe it's more on the club that we have to continue to help him create those steps yeah and i'm talking about 
I'm talking about really thinking outside of how we can help him, even to the point of knowing that at now that he's a pro, he's going to bypass college. Well, at college in this country, there's a lot of things that happens to a, to a boy to help him become a man. How are you going to, where, where's your meal going to come from? How are you going to get your laundry taken care of? You know, where, are you going to go out at night? Are you going to stay at home? How do you deal with your grades? Are you going to, are you going to maintain eligibility? Are you going to graduate? How, how are you going to deal with all these things? Whereas when you're at home and you're 16, 17, 18, and somebody's cooking for you and you've got a roof over your head and you have all the answers for you, I don't know that you have the same growth and the same material. So I think at some point, and who passes to, that test specifically? Exactly right. And we have to figure out how we're going to put the challenges in front of him from a personal development side so that he can grow that way as well as continue to grow with the game. And let's not fast track him too early. There's, there's a lot of building blocks that need to be, that need to be there that, that he needs to complete yeah, before yeah, yeah. we get to the point where he's going to get into the stadium and be a star. Simplistically, though, how excited are you about that prospect? Well, it's it's incredibly exciting, and if yeah. we can see that, we can see that over the next few years, but let's not look for it immediately because it'll be a flash and we're not going to see him long term. He can be there long term. Yeah. I was going to ask because I, I set this up before we bro broke earlier. Currently... The majority of MLS academies have a U15 team, a U17 team, and a U19. Most then have a, a UPSL team and, and MLS Next team. Pro team. Mm -hmm. However, we've learned recently that there might be a shift from that model to a U15, U16, a U18 team. Currently, City has 15, 16, 17 UPSL. Can you talk a little bit about just kind of the, the, the structure of what the academy is going through? And are you excited about the potential changes? Do you think it's the, the best thing for the league, for, for development, et cetera? I would say, first, it's a long way from happening yet. I right. mean, there's, there's, there's been some... I mean, I'm not even sure where the report came from. I saw it online. I'm not even sure where it came from to get into that position to, for somebody to throw it out that way. Um, there's a lot of people that have to that have to put a check mark next to that before it can go anywhere, including academy directors from the league. More importantly, CSOs, the chief so right. soccer officers, U.S. And soccer then yeah. owners yeah. have to say, yeah, this is something that we're going to want to do. I would be shocked if we see three age groups uh, that are mandated by the league. That's a that adds a big cost to to the um, you know to the operations of the of the program. I would be shocked if that was the case. Um, what do I like? I love that we have a UPSL team right now. I've seen the benefits of it, watching a scrimmage of 17s the other day, nice. watching a scrimmage that we had with a UPSL two-team mix with the first team back in October. Uh, just incredible growth from these players, not from a, necessarily from a technical side, although that they've grown, but from a maturity side and how they're playing man soccer now, adult soccer, uh, which is completely different than what you see at the youth. Now. I like the U18s age group because it, it carries you through 
for the most part, kids' senior year. Yeah. And, 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 and in this country, that's a really important part. Agreed. I don't like having a mandated group at 16. I feel like that we at St. Louis, St. Louis City, we need them here 15, 16, 17, all the way through so that we can help change the style, help them develop, help put them in that competitive environment against other MLS clubs, help them climb the pyramid. If we get them too late, I think it's and, – and it's not a mandated age group. I think that, uh, that it puts us a little bit behind. Uh, that's an excellent answer. I'm going to have a little bit more fun. And I know we're getting Imagine close, that. and I know JB. Have you met, have you met Jared? Yeah, he, he's <laughs> met me. So uh, we've talked about the timeline. We've talked about roles. Um, and, and this answer may have changed in your age, in your progression of age, but you've coached youth. You've coached uh, as a pro USL. You're, 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 um, you're, you're, you're commentating games. What's your favorite thing to do in this game? Ooh, oh, wow. Well, I, uh, just from my overall what, experience. That, your passion. That, that isn't tailgating. <laughs> yeah. yeah what, is, what, is, what is your passion? What, what, what really gets the fire going in yeah. your belly? Yeah, I would, say, I would say three things that are super motivating. Uh, one, the time that I got to spend in ODP in Europe, uh, coaching against clubs in Europe, like professional academy clubs with the ODP teams, was one of the most invigorating, challenging um, development opportunities. Educational. Per- educational. Yeah. Because you only, you, you got to, we had 650 kids in July, and in one, in three or four days, and then in a week camp, we had to cut that down from 650 to 18 to travel to you know south of france to play against top clubs in in france or spain or italy or wherever argentina academies academies Academies. yeah yeah. and then when you're over there you had three days to organize your group to compete so unbelievably fun so i guess in that part it is about taking a group of guys organizing them and helping them be their best against really good competition Number two? Number two would just be the long-term development, seeing where kids are when you get them and then seeing where they are when they leave your program and, and whether and maintaining those relationships, whether they are kids that stayed inside of your program or you had to release them, in, like in this situation, and still maintain relationships is awesome. The, the number of times that, that I've been fortunate enough, and I just knock on wood, I'm, I've been fortunate enough to run into ex-players that hey, thanks a lot for the time. Really appreciate your work. Do you remember the day you told me this? And I'm like, no, I have no idea what I told you. <laughs> well, it was really impactful in my life, and that's been something that I've been unbelievably fortunate to hear a lot, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So I, I, I got to follow up to this okay. because wait, one the yeah, the commentating number three, is a lot number of three, number three, commentating is a lot of fun. It, it, it really is. It, it's, a, it's a blast. I would be lying if, if, if I didn't say it was super enjoyable to be able to, you know, go to Portland and, and oh. call a game with those fans or in Austin or wherever you're at. Experience it's the culture. Un- like Unbelievable. Eat, you know, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. And, 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 just, and then, you know, be a part of the five-game winning streak in the start of the oh. season. Oh. And, my God, you, you, it's – yeah. So and, and those the are, uh, Hackworth morning runs, and, and the, well, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I love that. My 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 question was: JB had asked earlier about the it factor on a player. 
I'm curious on your it factor for a coach. Yeah, I think it's just their ability to lead, communicate, and and uh, and communicate where they're at. I, I I just think that leadership is such an important part of coaching success. And and there are so many different ways to skin a cat. There's so many yeah. different ways to present a training um, or present a topic for training. But how do you lead kids over a long period of time that keep them bought in, that keep them uh, respecting where you're at and who you are and what you stand for is a really important part to me. Well, Dale, I, I, I think I speak for all of us, but this has been an amazing experience to talk to you. Um, so glad to hear so many of the stories and, and just insights. I could talk a lot longer. Well, sure. I'm, I'm going to ask you a closing question here because you just talked about leadership. Uh, just and you don't need we don't need to get into the weeds here. But how cool is it to work for this organization yeah. with the Taylors with Kavanaugh? Um, and you and you just mentioned you know you go to Portland, you go to Austin, you go to all these places. But when you lay your head down at night, like your team, your bosses, your org. How cool is it to be part of this particular group? I just can't describe what it's like to park in the parking lot and walk through the doors every single day and, and not want to leave at night. It, it is a... Let's up and go. Yeah, no, that, it's, that's it's, phenomenal. It's just yeah. un, it's unbelievable to want to arrive at 6, 30, 7 o'clock or 7, whatever it is, and just be around everybody. And, 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 not, and not just that group. But our, the staff coaches within the academy being able to talk soccer and, and live their experience as well, I mean, it's it's an incredible it's an incredible experience, and I would never want to give it up. Do you uh, do you go often and have hot dogs with TK? <laughs> I do not have hot dogs <laughs> with TK. <laughs> Is hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> yeah, that's a very important question. Uh, it's a meal. It's a meal for TK. It's a meal. Dale, thank you so much, man. This has been thank great. You, love seeing you. Uh, love seeing you here on the mic, but love seeing you around the fields. You know, it's funny because the kids always. When you go walking down there, they see that haircut. They see, oh, my God, Dale's here. Yeah, I got six more questions. One of them is about, you know, the uh, crew cut. Yeah. yeah, how long you been carrying the crew cut? You know, my dad still has his. I've, I, I've probably had it now for 20 years. And uh, the funny story there is it's floating around the club that – uh, that I go to Iowa to get my hair cut. My, my, in-laws, my in-laws, my in-laws yeah. are from Iowa. Uh, and when I go up there, I do go to the Dutchman and, and he gives me a good 45 minute flat top that then I come back here and then follow up haircuts aren't quite the same, but they have something to work yeah, with. Yeah, you get that neck, you get that neck wash. <laughs> right. I, I got it, man. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Look forward to seeing you around the fields. We're going to be around for a yeah. minute. So, awesome. Um, you're welcome back anytime. Zach? Yeah, well, we should do it again. This was uh, There's I, a lot more to talk about. A lot more. Well, yeah. you've got a, a, I have to assume you have a decent Rolodex. Of <laughs> <laughs> We're always yeah. looking for friends yeah. to chat, so oh, we'll yeah. figure that out. I'm, I'm playing you a little midnight yeah, oil here that. on the way out. Uh, Maggie O'Brien, thank you very much for hosting us. Uh, Explore STL. Uh, thank you for jumping in and uh, helping support us. Now, we are not John Goodman or Sterling K. Brown. We're way cooler. So thank so you for helping for us Explore. out. Yeah. Uh, Jared Bertrand, he's back because, as I mentioned in the previous episode, <laughs> you know, he's, he's got to hit the head every now and then. So, oh, my God. Whoa, double. 
All right. Well, we're done now. I just <laughs> dropped off a couple. Hey, we appreciate it. Like, follow, support, share. Reviews are great. Uh, again, thank you, Dale Shilly. Uh, best of luck. You know, actually, in Phoenix next week. That's uh, right. Yeah. Going to be Busy out week. there. And, uh, boys, I'll see you next time. Later.